If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk about songs, talk about songs. It's the drums that really make this one for me. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Mark and Sarah talk about songs, episode 232. I'm your co-host, Sarah DeBunting, and I am going Mark Blankenship's way. Hello, Mark. Well, I sure hope you will, because I've got a guitar solo I need you to hear. Fucking A. What are we listening to today? We are listening today to a request from Amy H. She asked us to talk about Are You Gonna Go My Way by Lenny Kravitz. And I gotta say, Amy, good fucking call. Yes. That's what I gotta say. Yeah. Um, before we listen to a clip, Sarah, I just want to say this. I feel like that Lenny Kravitz, despite his intense popularity and the many, many millions of albums he sold, is an undervalued rock star. I think that's true also. And I spent a lot of time um, when I was listening to that, because I've heard this song a gazillion times um, by accident and on purpose. And uh, this, like, I love the song, but it's not even my favorite Lenny Kravitz joint. Mm. And I've spent a lot of time sort of trying to figure out what it was about the sexiness of Lenny Kravitz songs and also like obviously Lenny Kravitz himself, but like what, what is it about his particular pop music sexuality that like, what is it? Like I I was trying to sort of like get a handle on it, especially in terms of like what he's like musically. Mm -hmm. So why don't we listen to a clip and just sort of have, um, you know, fucking and how pop music tries to lead us to fucking in the in the backs of our minds and then uh maybe we could talk about the the uh construction and the persona that go with it let's do it all right
<sighs> and I normally don't clip that much of an instrumental. But Thank God but for you doing so, because yeah, yeah. How how do you because... blue balls that in the middle of the <laughs> of that solo? You can't. And between Rihanna last week and this song this week, there's just like the instrumentals are a big part of the appeal, mm-hmm. to put it mildly. Yep. And uh, we'll be we'll be thinking about that a little bit next time too. But uh, let's let's get back on Lenny Kravitz. Here's the thing about yes, the- let's please honestly <laughs> <laughs> let's line up in an orderly fashion and get back on Lenny Kravitz. This guy, I agree with you that he is overlooked um, now. And I was trying to sort of figure out, like, what is it about this guitar solo that is both extremely successful and effective, but also, like, there were a lot of comparisons, I think, when these songs were new, or songs like like, um, Believe and stuff like that. Like, what... The comparisons to like Jimi Hendrix mm-hmm. um, were were many. I think what it may come down to for me is that uh, Lenny Kravitz is much more uh, controlled and it, like in like is able to marshal the forces of of pop construction in a more um, let's say healthy <laughs> salutary way. Than Jimi Hendrix, who I think absolutely was like at that crossroads at midnight every night waiting for the devil to show up and just took the consequences. But there, you know, that's both good and bad in terms of Lenny Kravitz, right? Like at eventually, if you are sort of in control of your talent and your artistry, like that's a that's a value neutral statement, but you're never going to sort of reach the heights or the intensity in my opinion of tracks on the um south saturn delta album from Jimi hendrix like uh power of soul or midnight lightning where this is just like the best person who ever lived at getting these narratives out of this instrument but on the other hand hendrix is dead and kravitz is alive Prince is dead and Kravitz is alive. Like where, where is the line between the control and the talent is just something that I was thinking about like constantly while I was prepping this episode. That's really interesting. And it also for some reason is making me think about the fact that Lenny Kravitz's biggest chart hit was producing and writing justify my love for Madonna, Mm -hmm. whom as you may have noticed listeners, we've talked about before, (laughs) but these are both people who, managed to bring control into the wild realm that they enter. Yeah. Well, and that that becomes at the level at which they're practicing control, that does become sort of an art as totally. well. I think in Madonna's case, it, it does, arguably, I suppose. But actually, not arguably. We wrote a whole chat book on it. And um, I'm just going to state it like it's fact, because <laughs> why not? Damn it. Lenny Kravitz in the early 90s was still very much representing that culture. He was constantly dressed in hippie-ish clothes. Mm-hmm. His albums all have titles like Let Love Rule. Mm-hmm. Even this song, lyrically, it seems like he's playing a character who perceives himself to be, be the messiah. Mm-hmm. So it's I, 
it, it maybe is a little ironic, but it's a character, if it is a character, who's saying, we've got to love and rub-a-dub. We've got to hug and rub-a-dub. We've got to dance and, and be, be in, in love. love. And I feel like that is a very hippie-ish sentiment, but he somehow manages to make it really, really fucking sexy instead mm-hmm. of eye-rolling. Yeah. Like, this is not an antiseptic artist like there is a lot of like on tracks like american woman or mr cab driver um which has been stuck in my head for two days by the way uh there's that um ribbon of rage going through it that makes it um compelling uh yes and there's sort of a um it's reminiscent of living color of Stevie wonders, like seventies protest funk that we've talked about on the podcast before, um, in tone, but it's again, there is a level of control and of awareness that there's a certain amount of hippie based sexy times that, (laughs) American radio could handle in whatever 1990 and he delivered exactly that and maybe a teaspoon more yeah and I do think the reason we keep talking about sexiness is that no matter what else he's doing he's also making you think about fucking and he does it very well and it's not just that he himself in this period especially was hot AF but also that those guitar riffs that he's coming up with and Also, Sarah, here's something I learned in doing research on this. Lenny Kravitz is also playing the drums on this track. Oh, really? Which, for whatever reason, just makes me think it's like three times sexier that he's playing the guitar and the drums. Because the drums on this song are also really, really great. They just really grab you by the chest, by the shirt collar and will not let you go. Yeah. Um, And he he does have a a way of scene setting on both rhythm track and the guitar, like fly away is, I mean, Mm, that mm -hmm. sounds so sexy, but there's something undangerous about his sexiness compared to the analogous sexiness is a phrase I just said on a microphone for everyone to hear compared to Hendrix or Prince or, um, even like muddy waters that there's like, you're not, you're not going to get pregnant or arrested. Like if you're a character in a Lenny Kravitz song, like it's, it's hot and it's fun, but it's, it's not going to, it's not fatal. Yeah. And you're right. Like, and I actually you don't step know. Step into exactly. a Prince song. Your, your shit is getting turned upside down. That's not necessarily bad, but it's not safe either. Yeah. Like, if you were there for a live performance of Darling Nikki, who knows? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> My 20 little princelings and I, and princesses who live in a shoe, <laughs> w- would like and, a word about a live performance of this song. Whew. And I can't quite put my finger on why that's true, but I know that you're right. That this is safer, but no less enjoyable. It's not like it's bad. It's not yeah. a problem that it's safer. It just is. Yeah, it's not like, you know, good, clean, Mormon fun. 
And I, I wonder if it has to do with the time, like a lot of, a lot of the danger with Jimmy is that like, you just took a swig of iced tea that has God knows what in it. And God knows what you're actually hearing. Okay. So, so there's that, but that's like some late sixties, early seventies doors of perception shit happening. Mm -hmm. And then Prince is sort of like in this late, 70s early 80s funk lane like not that he wasn't continuing to like be current and produce music obviously but i'm wondering if like at the turn of the 90s and, and like if pop music is basically like trying to get it in <laughs> like it it's the culture trying to to get off and that we're sort of at that perhaps darkest period of contending with AIDS, HIV, that a slightly safer, like this will be hot, but I am going to insist on a dental dam kind of pop guitar riff. <laughs> like maybe, I, I really don't know. I'm just talking out my ass. But I'm but just I wondering it, if it's not I a function comes, of the time. It comes down to the fact that Sheen, the pop Sheen and crisp production that was very, very popular in the 90s, reached the rock world. Mm -hmm. And the sort of messy, raw, burnt-edged sound that you would get on albums in the 60s just wasn't the thing. Mm -hmm. And so for Lenny Kravitz to be able to work inside this very controlled space, which honestly probably is related in some way to all of the sexual danger that was happening just by existing at this time. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was able to exist in that space, but still have the obvious connection to what had come before made him great at bridging those two moments. Yeah. It's also making me think about it ain't over till it's over, mm -hmm. which is a really sexy song that PS in 2019 was playing as the, bo the boarding music for all Virgin flights. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can just remember being so startled like I'm boarding this virgin flight and it ain't over till it's over is on but it's because that song has the almost archetypical sound of a 70s sexy R&B track yeah. but it also manages to sound controlled and it, it's not nine minutes long and right. you know it's just it's it's the the controlled version of that type of sexiness in that song yeah and it's also not the WMST Moist FM, you know, I am sad because you're sad because I don't want a commitment, but let's fuck anyway. Right. Of like, you know, the the Dan's of the late 70s or um Ambrosia. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really a sort of fascinating prospect. Also, in terms of like what came after him, um, that there were like sort of at the same time as Lenny Kravitz, all these boy bands present and then future and then like Jamiroquai and um, like the sort of faux and B guys that it was mm -hmm. like just a lot more, um, a lot more computer build and a lot less them actually playing. And then it's like, well, we had this video and it's on all the time on VH1 and now we're the thing in 1995. Like it, I would love to see sort of a um, rock music reviewers or pop music reviewers concept of where Lenny Kravitz is in the um, like evolutionary tree mm -hmm. of pop music 
of pop music that was like throwback music because on a parallel track, you also have like De La Soul and PM Dawn at around the same time, mm-hmm. sort of bringing hippie Daisy feeling into hip hop. And you yeah, have that's really true. And New Jack Swing at the same time. I I mean, all I know is what I don't know. <laughs> right, but it's, it is interesting to think about that you do have a lot of these artists who are so consciously throwing back as other newer sounds are rising up alongside of them, and there was room for both of them. Yeah. And it's very interesting. And I, I wonder if he, like, speaking of the crossroads, but like the nice, you know, Epcot kind of blues crossroads. Right. Where um, old Nick is not waiting to to ruin everything for you and for you and but, yours. But Fozzie Bear comes by on a trike and hands you a guitar. <laughs> yeah, totally. But he, um, that he, I think Lenny Kravitz might have been this um, link between a lot of different things that we didn't realize at the time, but he probably did. I don't know. I hey, Lenny Kravitz, he... call us, and not for the reasons that you think. We we but, promise not to sexually harass you, probably. A little bit. <laughs> but I think you're right that he clearly is an artist who knows exactly what's up in mm. the choices that he's making. Yeah, I think so. It's also worth noting, this is just a sidebar, but I've always found it interesting. I don't know if you know the Nena Cherry song, Buddy X. Mm-mm. I don't think so. so. It's this song that Nana Cherry released on her album after Raw Like Sushi. And you're like, there was an album after Raw Like Sushi? (laughs) Yes, it was called Homebrew. (laughs) And it is purported to be a song that she wrote about Lenny Kravitz because he was sleeping around on Lisa Bonet. Okay. And I just don't, I don't know what to do with that other than I just wanted to mention it in our Lenny Kravitz episode. What is it called? the fact, I guess it's the fact that he, he was part of the, he was at the time really part of a larger cultural conversation and now his daughter zoe kravitz is famous and awesome so i guess there's that too yeah i mean you know he'd (laughs) by via various means he uh he's still part of various conversations but i do wonder based on everything we've been saying about like where where is he in this like family tree yeah, it, it is. It's like we're Lenny Kravitz is we're aware of him, but I don't think that he is being given the credit for all of the stuff we just discussed. Yeah. The ability to bridge these eras, the ability to make songs that are also just really fun to listen to. And these are not small things. Yeah. The, I mean, there's a dick joke here, but I'm just going to not. Let's just end. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastist's book, visit our website at MarkandSarahTalkAboutSongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah with an H, talkaboutsongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Mastass. Thanks for listening. Yeah.
Mark and Sarah talk. Mark and Sarah talk. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.